Yes, you are. Yes, you are. God, you are so worthy. Give him a praise today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that you are alive, that you are risen from the dead, that you are alive, oh God. You are alive. He lives. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Come on, somebody. He's alive. He is risen. He is not dead. He is alive. He is the risen one, the holy one, the Lord God Almighty. He's not the big man upstairs. He's not your buddy. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. But we thank you that you've risen. We thank you that you've conquered the grave. Thank you that you give us hope. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Praise God. Well, remain standing with me. Turn, turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Verse 1 through 7, we always stay standing for the reading of the word. Luke chapter 24, verse 1 through 7. Say amen when you're there. For the three of us that are there, amen. The rest, 300 of you can catch up. By the way, if you have your Bible app, go ahead and turn that open there. You can click on live events and uh, it'll search. You'll see Crossroads in Belton. You can click on, uh, click on that and it'll have all of our sermon notes. You can take notes there as well. Uh, you can give from the app, all of that on the Bible app. If you don't know what's going on, look at your neighbor. Find someone else. Well, I'll have phones, so uh, you can see by that. Luke chapter 24, verse 1 through 7. It says, But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared, and they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And as they stood there, puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, and, and, in, and they appeared in dazzling robes. And the women were, were horrified, and they were scared, and they bowed down with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? And he isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. And that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the what? The third day. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today, and I thank you for the powerful moments we've shared, but none more important than what's about to happen, God. And I believe that as I speak, you're going to use me as your mouthpiece, Lord, to deliver the word of God. As Hebrews says, that your word would be as a double-edged sword, rightly dividing the word, piercing in the innermost parts of us, rightly dividing the word of truth today, oh God. Speak to the lost person in here today. Speak to those that are hurting in here. Speak to those that are at the end of their rope, those that are in despair, those that are with no hope today. That we can see that through rough beginnings, 
you can produce a beautiful end. God, that outcomes, though they may be rough and tough and ragged and jagged, our beginnings may not look pretty, but our endings can be beautiful. A beautiful ending, God, for us today. Hope for us today. And God's people said, amen. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a praise one more time as you're seated in this house. Praise God. Well, again, welcome to Crossroads Church. If you are a guest for the first time, we are so glad to have you here and that you came to worship with us and all the beautiful things that have happened. I promise to have you out of here by 1230, 1 o'clock. Just kidding. Um, thank you for those that laugh at that. We will be out of here. But before we do, we are going to celebrate together in a corporate setting uh, through God's word, the story of the resurrection, reflecting on that. And um, I think for me as a pastor, you know, preaching year after year on Easter, how do we take how do we take this story that has been told for thousands of years and retell it dynamically year after year? And, and as our staff preps and prays, as we do, we begin in October uh, planning and prepping for the for the next year. And as we did back in October of 2013 for this moment, planning and prepping and leading up to these moments. And, and we had some other things scheduled, those that uh, this is your church home. We, we were supposed to have a speaker here. He, he was in a car accident, able not to be able to be here. So God has a purpose in all things, amen? And, um, and I believe that this the message that God has given me as a pastor this morning is the word hope. Look at your neighbor and say hope. In fact, say hope on a rope. Hope on a rope. That, yeah, today, I, if you can imagine me throwing you a lifeline today, that I'm throwing you some hope today, amen? So get ready, uh, because there's going to be hope for you today. And I, I believe in, with all my heart that many of you are going to leave here encouraged and strengthened, not because of anything that I've said, but because of what God is saying through his word to you. So look at your neighbor and say, get ready. Yeah, get your pen and paper, your smartphone, your dumb phone, your burner phone, whatever kind of phone, iPad or UPad or Android device, because you need to be taking these notes down. Hope is defined as a feeling of desire for something and confidence in the possibility of its fulfillment. Hope is a feeling of desire for something and confidence in the possibility of its fulfillment. If we could leave that up there just for a few moments, just the definition of hope brings hope. Just the definition of it brings hope. Hope, it's a feeling of desire for something and confidence in the possibility of its fulfillment. Isn't it great to hope in something, to have hope in something? And conversely, opposite of hope is being hopeless. How many would be honest with me? You'd raise your hand and say, Pastor Matt, I know what it's like to be hopeless. Yeah, a lot of us. That's our common denominator today here is that we've all at some point in our life have been hopeless. Helpless. Whatever, we've been hopeless before. We've been without hope. We've been in despair. We've been in situations and in circumstances where we felt hopeless, where we felt helpless. If you've ever, ever, if you've ever had a kid sick or you've had sickness in you or maybe you've battled cancer before, you've battled some kind of disease, you've battled some kind of financial struggle, or maybe you fought for your marriage at one time, or maybe you fought for your kids, or, or not just past tense, all of these can be present tense as well. Are you with me today, church? Well, the English teacher's in here. I'm going to make sure we get it all right. Past, present, future. So it's not just if you have dealt with this, but you may now be dealing with this. So 
at one point in your life, you have may have been hopeless, but you are hopeless now. Or at one point in your life, you were helpless, but you also feel helpless now. That's our common denominator, is that we've all been in a situation. We've all been in a circumstance. We've all been through a marriage, maybe, possibly, or, 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 or some kind of life situation that was beyond our control, where we were hopeless and we were helpless. And it's a terrible feeling. It's a, it's a feeling of isolation. It's like being in a room full of people that, that, that love you, like, like a church. And you could be, feel like you're the only person there, singled out in your hurt and in your pain and in your despair. What I draw away from this story found in the Gospel of Luke, I, I imagine when I read this, if I were one of the disciples, if I were one of the disciples and I had given everything I had to the Lord, everything, I quit my job, I quit my career, I left my family, Many of the men, these were fishermen, they were generation of fishermen, right? They succeeded their dad, who their dad succeeded his dad, and, and that dad succeeded his dad. It could have been fourth, fifth generations of fishermen or, or tax collectors or whatever it was they were doing. A lot of these fishermen, it was a family. See, so can you imagine being a disciple of Christ? Jesus comes along and says, lay down your nets and follow me, and I'm going to teach you how to fish for men. And so you do just that, and... For three, three and a half years, you, you sleep where Jesus sleeps. You eat where he eats. You witness miracles firsthand. You see, the, you see Lazarus coming from the grave. And, and, and when, when Jesus brought back Peter's mother-in-law from, the, from dead, you know, and he healed the lame and the sick and the demon-possessed, and he did all these crazy things. You watched him feed 5,000 men and, and not counting women and children. Then you watched him feed 4,000 men, not counting women and children. On and on, you witness these things firsthand. And you watch Jesus stick up for himself. You watch Jesus stick up for you when the Pharisees would, would, would try to run you out of town and try to persecute you and you would have to hide. And you, were, you gave up your life and you put your life on the line for this guy. And it's Friday night. It's Good Friday. And, and I've always thought, man, why do we call it Good Friday when, when you think about it, it was a, such a terrible thing that, that they did to Jesus. And we call it Good Friday. I'm going to get to that, why I believe why we call it Good Friday. And Friday, Jesus is on a cross, and his body is taken down by a couple of his disciples, and they take him to a borrowed tomb. Jesus was born in a borrowed stable and died in a borrowed, and was buried in a borrowed tomb from a borrowed cross, had nothing of his own. And, and now, he, now he's dead, and can you imagine Friday night and Saturday night and early Sunday morning? What are we going to do now? Talk about feeling hopeless. The threat is still on your life. If you're a disciple of Christ, the threat, they've said, you know what? We've killed their leader. Now the others will fall like dominoes. And the orders were dispatched to go get the rest of them. Go get all of them. Find them and, and let's arrest them. And let's do to them what we did to their leader. Feeling hopeless. Hopeless is a terrible feeling. To watch your kid, if you ever had a sick kid, or as Chris and Holly did when they were so little, and to watch them and feel helpless while they were in the NICU unit. Nothing you could do as a dad or as a father but to lean on the father. I know what that's like when Harris, you know, when he was in his appendix removed, but when he caught pneumonia and we were trying to get him over that pneumonia and get him breathing again, and you feel, you feel helpless. You want to do something, right? As a parent, you say, come on, God, put that sickness on me and let me me in that bed and get them out. 
I'll tell you, but it doesn't work that way. So what did I have to do? I had to lean on the arms of my father. My arms weren't big enough. Look at your neighbor and say, stop leaning on me. Lean on me when you're not strong, right? Sometimes your lean is enough to knock me down. Some people got some big old leans. My friend knows a big guy. If he starts leaning on me, he's a, we're going to lean. We're both going to lean. Some of us have a lot of stuff in our lives, and we love to lean on each other, and that's good, and that's acceptable, and that's certainly biblical that God has put people in our lives for seasons of grace and seasons of put people. That's why people come in and out of your life. God brings them in for a season sometimes and takes them away for a season. There may be a season you got some people around you, and God put them there just so you have some place to set your arms for a little bit because you're helpless, you're hopeless, you're hurting, you're burned out. Who am I talking to this morning? Life has thrown everything it's got at you, and you just need somebody to lean on. But there comes a point when your stuff that you have, they can't hold it because I got news for you. They're not Jesus. They're not Jesus. You are not Jesus. I am not Jesus. And that's when First Peter chapter 5, 7 says, For we are to cast all of our care on him, for he cares for us. I cast all of my care on him, for he cares for us. When I'm helpless, when I'm hopeless, and when I'm hurting, when I think about hope, I begin to think about what does that look like? What is what is, how do we flesh that out? How do we, when we talk about hope and this definition, it's this feeling, it's a sensation, it's a desire for something and, and confidence in the possibility of its fulfillment. I mean, what does hope look like? Hope, a feeling or desire of something and confidence in the possibility of its fulfillment. The possibility that it might happen. You know, when, when Jesus, when, excuse me, when uh, Mary and Martha, when they go to the tomb, when they went there that very early, that Sunday morning, uh, the, they said they found the stone rolled away. As they stood there, uh, verse 4, they were puzzled. Two men appeared to them, and, and they, they were terrified. They were horrified. They bowed down to the ground. They said, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. And he says, remember, remember what he told you back in Galilee. I think if we're, if we're not careful, listen to me, Crossroads family. If we're, not, if we're not careful, there's something powerful in this set of scriptures that spoke to me. When it says in verse 6, he isn't here, he's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. I think part of the word of the Lord today for some of us is to say, remember back. Remember back. Remember back in Galilee. Whatever your Galilee is, maybe that was five years ago or ten years ago. Remember back then what he told you. See, for some of us, we grew up in church. For those of us that are uh, uh, Christianese, right, we grew up in church. Like me, you know, uh, the old saying, cut your teeth on the pulpit. You know what I mean? Um, Or cut your teeth on the pew. I cut mine on the pulpit, but uh, my dad banged it on the pulpit, whatever. But, but, you know, you grew up in church, whatever that means, whatever it looks like, we, we we're kind of familiar with all this Christian talk, the Christian walk. We've kind of got a good feel of it. But I want to say to, to, the, to the crowd today is to remember back in Galilee. What I'm saying to you is think back last year in 2013. Is there something that God promised you and spoke to you and you've already forgotten about it? And when I think about that, I think God is calling back to, for some of us to say, don't forget what I started. Because he who began a good work in you, 
He who began a good work in you is able to see that work through and complete it. Are you with me today, church? So for the word for some of you in here today is all you need to do on Easter is just remember back. Go back into your mind and say, aha, I remember last year, God, you spoke to me. You said that my children were going to serve you. This is a year that they are going to serve you. Not that I stand in amaze when he does it because I'll say, ah, I remember back then when he told me. What happens, though, is life gets us in a trance. Life puts us in a state of blindness, and, and almost we become like robots sent from the future, and we just go through life. And we're like ro- robots, and we're in a trance. We get up, we go to work, we eat, feed the dog, kick the cat, whatever. And Sorry, cat lovers. And... Uh, And go back to bed. We do it all over again. And the whole time God says, do you not remember what I said I would do in your life? Remember, church, what he has started in you. What does hope look like? It looks like that. It looks not like an alien beating with a red heart inside. But hope looks like just when you thought there was no hope, somehow life in this movie finds a way. But but we know that somehow God finds a way to make all of those bad things that the enemy tried to make stick in your life year after year. The things that have followed you year after year that when just when you thought you had it conquered and you thought you had it beat and you thought you had you had triumphed over it before you know it. it it's right there staring you in the face when you woke up the next morning. But for church, can I tell you that God has sent me here all the way from Salado, Texas to tell you that there is hope for you. Look at your neighbor and say, there's hope for you. Yeah, some of you kind of saying it sarcastically because you're sitting next to your spouse saying, no, there's hope for you. Uh, Pastor Matt, are you sure that there is hope? Are you talking to me? Yes. Are you talking to her? Yes, I'm saying there's hope for us. Amen. There is hope for us. Why? Because Jesus Christ went to a real cross hung on a real cross, surrendered his life. He was not murdered. He was not killed. He gave his life. Amen? See, some people want to want to nullify what Jesus did and said, oh, they drug him there, and, and, and uh, they murdered him, and they killed him. No, sir. No, man. That's a lie straight from the pits of hell. Jesus was all much king as he was man. At any moment, he could have called for 10,000 angels to dispatch and rescue him. But what did he do? He said, no man takes my life. I willingly give. You cannot take what I'm willing to give. Are you with me today, church? He died on a real cross, went to a real grave, and in three days rose to a real resurrection. I'm telling you, there is hope for your situation. Come on, somebody. There's hope for your marriage. There is hope for your finances. There is hope for your career. And when you thought you were at the end of the rope, what does God do? He does what he does every day to millions and billions of people all across the planet. He finds a way to extend in the rope he finds a way to make the rope a little longer and when you feel like you can't hold on you feel like there is no hope you have a god in heaven who said i have given you hope it's called eternal life it's peace beyond your wildest dreams it's happiness like you'll never know it if you surrender your life your will if you give yourself to me he says you'll find hope there's hope in us Hope for us. Luke chapter 24. Go with me quickly. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Now, this is continuing the story from what we just read. That same day, 
two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. Seven-mile walk. They got on their Jerusalem cruisers, they're thumbing it, hitchhiking, whatever. They're walking. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. What was everything? They were just talking about the death of Jesus. They're talking about how they crucified him. They're talking about what's going to happen next. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus showed up there. Verse 16, but he kept them from recognizing him. Verse 17, he says, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? Listen to this. They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem, like have you been living under a rock kind of thing, who doesn't know what's going on. And then Jesus says, well, well what things? The things that happened to Jesus, the man of Nazareth. And verse 20, but our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. Verse 21, it, it says, we had hoped, underline that, we had hoped he was the Messiah. It was, listen, they're speaking past tense already. Jesus, they're giving up. Jesus is dead. There's no hope. We had hoped that he was the one. He said he was going to restore Jerusalem. He said he was God's only son. He said all of these things, and now he's dead. It was, it was a charade. It was a lie. Here we are. We're, we're, we're without our fearless leader. It was, we had hoped. We had hoped. We had hoped he was the Messiah and who had come to rescue Israel. This has all happened three days ago. And with sadness in their faces, and, and they began to walk. And the Bible says that, that they talked Jesus into uh, going and spending the night with him because it was late. And they ate, they ate bread together. And if you read the end of the story, we'll get there in a minute. They, they ate bread together. They broke bread together. And then they noticed through the breaking of bread that it was Jesus. We had hoped. If you're in here today, I don't know who I'm talking about. You need some hope. You need some hope for your situation. You need some hope for your marriage. You need some hope for your life. You need some hope for your finances. You need some hope for your career. You're wondering, can God really do the stuff that he says he's going to do? God, when are you going to show up and be God in my life? When are you going to start doing the stuff that I've been praying and that I've been reading and I've been hearing the preacher talk about? I need some hope, God. I need some hope in my life because I don't know our marriage can survive another day like this. I don't know if my career, God, if I can make it through it. Maybe you've been laid off or you've, you've lost a job or you've lost someone close to you this past year. And you're, you're saying, God, is there any hope for me? And our, another common denominator for us all is that we've all grieved over something or someone, the loss of a job, a career, the loss of a, someone close to us, uh, whatever it may be. We, we, we've all experienced deep loss, deep regret, uh, the pain of losing someone. Can you imagine being a disciple and you've walked with Jesus and you've talked with him miracle after miracle after miracle and your heart is breaking because you gave your everything to this guy and now he is supposedly in a tomb. You would hope you put everything you had, you put all of your eggs into one basket. And now what? We had hoped who am I talking to in this morning that is resonating with you? You're saying to your spirit, man, God, I had hoped. Pastor Matt, I had hoped this would be the day. I had hoped this would be the year. I had hoped this would be the woman. I had hoped this would be the man. I had hoped this would be the situation. I had hoped that this would be the job. I had hoped, I had hoped, I had hoped. And now I'm hopeless. Now I'm helpless. And now I'm broken. 
What is so beautiful, church, about all of this is, as I just paraphrase real quickly for you, if you keep reading the rest of the story, the Bible says that Jesus, when he came up beside them, what it's saying says he kept them from recognizing who he was. But that puzzles me because Jesus had his hands pierced. His side, he had marks from where the crown of thorns was thrust into his head. He still bears those marks. We know this because Thomas, if you were here last week in church, the message we talked about doubting Thomas. When Thomas said, I'll believe it if I can see the holes in his hands, right? But yet they didn't recognize him by his walk. Surely, I'm sure Jesus kind of had some swagger about him. Jesus invented swagger. By the way, hashtag Jesus swagger. I mean, Jesus invented real swagger. He had swag beyond swag. So I bet Jesus had a walk that when you saw it, it was like, that's Jesus coming, you know. They didn't recognize him by his walk. Surely, though, your best friend, your mentor, you would recognize his voice. How many know you don't even need caller ID? You just, you just know someone's voice on the other line when they call. But, but yet they didn't recognize his voice. And in this beautiful moment, their eyes are open, church. Their eyes are open when they sit down, they begin to break bread together. When he takes the bread and he prays over it, and when he takes the cup, he prays over it. The Bible says, then their eyes were open and they saw it was Jesus. So what's happening here, church, is for some of us, God has been breaking you. That's not real popular. That's not a time to shout down, I know, but it's a beautiful thing. He was showing the disciples, and he was showing us today in 2014, there's a beautiful thing when God can break us, when he can humble us, when he can take our empires that we have built and quickly bring them down. And we say, God, now I see that I need you. Now I know it's not by my own hands that anything that I have built that's going to give me eternal security. Listen to me, church. There's nothing wrong with things. I love things. I love toys. If it has a will, I need to have it. it. Ask my wife. I'm addicted to things that have wheels, four-wheelers and three-wheelers and everything, whatever. Does golf carts. We can have things. We can have toys. We can have houses, all those things. That's great. Absolutely. Blessings in favor of the Lord. Absolutely. But it's be careful that we don't say, God, we don't say, look what my empire, what, what I have built with my hands. Because that can be stripped and taken away so quickly. If we want real hope, if we want real hope in this life, it's only through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the only hope that we have. And the devil will do everything he can to distract you, to torment you, to rob you of joy in your life. But he sent me here to counteract that, to let you know that that is a lie and God has hope for you. There is hope for you. There is hope for you. There's hope for your situation, hope for your marriage, hope for your health. Whatever you need hope for, there is hope for you. Hope for you. And even if you're like these disciples, you're saying, man, we had hoped this, or we had hoped that. Revelation 118 says, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death in the grave. Talk about hope. That means, church, that when we say a sinner's prayer, Romans 10, 9 and 10, if we confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says that we're saved. When we pray that prayer, we find eternal security in Jesus Christ. Not in a preacher, not in a man, not in a church, a building, a, a religion, a society, not in a culture, nothing. 
but in Jesus. He's the only way to heaven. Amen. He's he is the only way to God the Father. Hope for your life. Hope for your situation. Stand with me all across this place. Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow, just when we thought all hope was gone, Jesus rose from the grave. Can you imagine what the devil was doing when Jesus showed up in hell? As the Bible tells us, he showed up in hell and he took back those keys. I don't know if it was a real set of keys. What was it? Last week, how many were here? Last week or two weeks ago, we all jiggled our keys. By the way, go listen to the podcast. You did it right. We can hear it on the podcast. He took those keys back from the devil. Karate chopped him, whatever. He took back those keys. He holds keys of death in the grave. That means when we give our life to Jesus Christ and we live for Jesus, that when we die, we get to go to heaven. Amen? Our eternal reward. Yes, give the Lord a praise. That's hope. That means that no matter what happens on this planet, no matter how bleak it gets, how dark it becomes, whatever the stock market says or the culture says or how much we're persecuted, this is not my home. My home is in heaven, amen, with the Lord. So you know what, devil? You can have this world. You can have my stuff. Because as my brother said, I'm not going to take it with me anyways. But I can have eternal hope. Mink is going to lead us in this song. We're going to sing it one time through. I just want you to think about it and pray and worship the Lord as we sing it. And, and just think about what God has done for us. Set your hands all across this place. So I will 
with our heads bowed, our eyes closed all across this place. First of all, if you're here today, you say, Pastor Matt, I'm just not ready. That sums it up. I'm not ready. If I were to leave this planet today, if I were to not make it through today, I'm not for sure if I would spend eternity beyond heaven's gates with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to know, I want this opportunity to make things right. If you would, just raise your hand right where you're at. Thank you, thank you. Sure. Be quick. There you go. Thank you. Anyone else? Come on. Don't hesitate. Don't hesitate. I want to know, this is your chance, your opportunity. The Bible says no, no man is promised tomorrow. No man is promised tomorrow. Don't leave here today until you know for a fact that you're ready. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Raise your hand. Raise your hand quickly, quickly, quickly. We're not going to labor long here. Pastor Matt, I want to know. I want to be ready. Is there anyone else? I believe there's some more. Don't hesitate. Don't worry about your friends, your family that are beside you. They're, they're not going to get you to heaven. Only this moment right now. Seize the opportunity. heads bowed, our eyes closed. I'm going to ask all of our prayer partners, our staff, our elders, if they would quickly join me at the front as they're coming. If you're here today, you raise your hand. I want you to do something brave and amazing. I want you to step out right from where you're at. I want you to join us at the front. As you do, Crossroads Church, we're going to applaud them, aren't we? So come on, if you raise your hand, come on, come on down, come down, come down. Those that raise their hand, come on. Make your way down here. Please, make your way. We just want to pray with you. Make that public confession. Thank you, ma'am. There were more. Come on. Give a big hand, Crossroads. Come on. Come on, those that raise your hand, we want to pray with you. Thank you. Anyone else? Come on, raise your hand. You raise your hand. Thank you, sir. Come on, who's out there? Maybe you didn't raise your hand. You want to make that bold move. Come on out. We want to pray with you. 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 Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? I want the heads bowed. I want everyone to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that I'm a sinner and you are my Savior. I believe that you died for me and that in three days you rose from the grave according to your word. Thank you for giving your life for me. I confess you, Jesus, as Lord of my life. And I will live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross.